0: A lot of different podcasts um, throughout the week when I'm driving. It's just a great way for me to, to be challenged and encouraged. And I listen to a bunch of different people. There's a guy named Leon Fontaine. There's a guy named Pete Wilson, uh, some of you remember from Promise Keepers. Um, there's, a, there's a guy named Andy Stanley that we did a whole series uh, from, but I was listening to a whole bunch of different series, and in those series, they weren't series on this topic, but through those series, this topic kept coming up. And it was something I realized that God's dealing in my life with because as I was listening to it, it would be like all of a sudden realizing that sentence or that, um, that part would just jump at me and be like, there it is again, Mark. There it is again. And I'm like, yes, I know, there it is again. Um, and, and realizing it wasn't just because, oh, it's coincidence that it's so common. It was this thing of Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is for you. And this morning, my heart is, is that same thought, that if you hear that and realize, oh, that was for me, or that part is something, that's him talking to you. And he wants you to, to take a, um, a little bit of a deeper look uh, into that. And so even though I know that this morning is, is mostly for me, um, uh, right now, I know that there's something good in it for, um, for all of you. So if you see me start sweating, it's just the conviction that I'm putting myself under, right? So, um, but it is, it's this. It's this, this thought that um, most of us, well, I'd say all of us deal with at some point in our life. It's this topic of fear. Um, what do you fear? What do you fear? Uh, is there things that you're struggling with t- um, today? Things that you fear? Fears that you're dealing with right now? Maybe it's a fear of failure. Yeah, may- maybe you're not like, ready to just shout it right out. Yeah, I'm scared of this, but maybe it's a fear of failure, fear of public speaking, maybe the fear of heights, maybe it's the fear of cruising, the fear of singleness, you know, fear of I'm never going to find the right person, fear of I'm never going to get married, maybe it's a fear of sickness, fear of losing a spouse, fear of losing a child, fear of making big decisions or fear of making the wrong decision when you're faced with it, fear of the future, fear of the unknown. You know, any of these fears, if there's things that you struggle with, um, those are pretty common fears uh, among, among people. And you'd be on the, you know, you'd be in a, in a place where others have shared those same things. Uh, there's different levels of fear. Um, there's like that, that scare, which is like the, the thing that they get you and they, they you know, it's, it's not something you're normally scared of. For instance, um, you know, how many of you are scared of vacuum hoses? There's a phobia for that, but mo- nobody here. Ah, oh, unbelievable. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought all the men would be like at least allergic or have some you know phobia for um, vacuum hoses. But I, you know, it's not something we're normally scared of, right? But uh, I remember back in the day, my my brother he was like all uh, he loved snakes. Uh, and so he got these two um, ball, or um, red-tailed boas. One was nine feet long and the other was seven feet long and he kept them in this cage downstairs. Well, the first night we got them, my mom thought they were like demonic and, you know, from, straight from hell itself because, uh, you know, who keeps snakes as pets? And she's like, well, they better stay in that cage and check the locks to make sure those locks were so secure that these things could not get out. Uh, and my mom, being a, a great praying mom, would pray for us um, every night. And so as she's wandering the house praying that night at 3 a.m., she steps on the vacuum hose and nearly has a heart attack thinking it's the snake right but it's the, it's the scare right you're not normally afraid of that but it's in those instances where like <gasps> it's that scare that's one type of fear but they grow from there to there's other levels of it one is worry where it's basically giving way um, to this anxiety or unease. You allow your mind to dwell on, the, on something, uh, on difficulty or on a trouble. And that can go to the next step of anxiety. Where now there's the feelings of this um, worry about an imminent event. Something's going to happen or something you have no, um, uh, no control over how it's going to go. But you're trying hard to. And it's anxiety. Anxiety. Uh, that goes on to become a phobia, which is an extreme or irrational um, fear or aversion to something. And then paranoia and terror and feeling threatened. Uh, and there's, um, last night, one of the kids just so happened to have a list of all the phobias that are known right now. And there's 535 of them. Uh, it's crazy. And some uh, you know, it's this just, just irrational fear of things. It's a very strong fear. Um, I, my wife is here, um, and I will... Uh, I'll talk a little bit about her this morning. She has this. Um, she has a, a, a phobia. It's called arachnophobia. Anybody know what that is? Right on, right there. I know. And some of you are like looking at that, like ah, you know. Uh, the, the, I'm just glad it's not something that, sh- that she doesn't have. Something that sounds like that, and it's called fullacrophobia, which is the the fear of becoming bald or bald people. So, which is good for me because uh, I'm on that way. So she won't be scared of me. But she is scared of she is scared of spiders. Uh, and uh, you know, I didn't realize when I got married that there's there's assumed jobs of the, of the husband in a relationship. Um, when when I got married, I realized, you know, I had some of those things I thought myself, right? I thought I would be the guy who cleans the garage and the guy who mows the lawn and the guy, you know, who uh, takes out the garbage and the guy who puts gas in the vehicles. You know, those are kind of some of the assumed jobs. What I didn't realize is that there are other jobs that were just automatically assumed is that I would be the the spider slayer. Uh, when Whenever that shriek happened, that was like, that. no words need to be said. And it was that, that shriek means get in here now and kill whatever it is that's, uh, that's, that's terrorizing her. Um, and so, um, or sooner, right? If I could find them beforehand, that would, that would be even better. But you know what? In, in all of our years of being married, I don't think ever once she's asked me if I was scared of spiders. It was just this assumed, uh, this assumed thing of I am so he must be the one to to rescue me, and uh, many of you found out the other night that I actually am scared of spiders um, the, the, at the at the at the dinner, there was this magician who had this spider walking on an iPhone that all of a sudden ends up on the back of your hand, and uh, he tried it on me, and I freaked uh, and so when when uh, that he felt that was great. I didn't think there was all that many of you there, but he went on to tell everyone, "Oh yeah, Mark screamed like a little girl when I did this to him, right?" And and some of the Saturday night crew last night were like, "Yeah, we heard it, we heard it, right?" But at least, I mean, Mary Uko almost had a heart attack, so at least I was, you know, not not that far. But scream like the scream like a little girl, and I was like, well. Yeah, of course, you know, I, I'm scared of these things. Like, I put on this brave face, and so I'm going to get them. But they, they appear to be, you know, these huge and, and scary things. Um, but, you know, fear is no respecter of persons. It, it, it affects men and women. It affects old and young. It affects um, uh, rich and poor. It, it, everybody deals with fear in some uh, part in your life. Um, that's why I asked this morning, how many of you are struggling with at least one fear in your life right now? <laughs> fear of putting up my hand in the church. <laughs> struggling with, with fear. Um, it's said that we're born with only two fears, the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Those are the only two you're born with. Every other fear that you have in your life, you've acquired somehow. You've learned it somehow or acquired it through experience um, in your life. And uh, as, we, as we talk about, it, we realize that fears and those things, um, they're common in people, but they're also very commonly talked about in, in the Word. And that's what I wanted to look at this morning because fear robs you. Fear steals from you. Fear paralyzes you. Fear keeps you from becoming the person that God wants you to become. You know, those times where you feel like, ah, I'm going to, you know, I, I should probably go and talk to those neighbors and, you know, um, uh, at least be friendly. And you're like, all of a sudden that next voice is, no, they're going to think you're weird. They're going to think you're a stalker. They're going to think you're creepy. You know, nobody does it. You know, um, and, and, what, and he didn't obviously have those thoughts. But um, the, the, there's these things that get you. Oh, you know. I would just love to worship God fully. I'd love to just, you know, be able to raise my hands and and and. But oh, what are people going to think of me? You know, uh, the same things run through my head. I wonder if they like this message. I see them scowling. Some of them, I'm just not sure. And those things start going through your head. Oh, I wonder if. And if they don't like that, are they going to like me? And if they don't like me, are they going to come back next week? And if they don't come back next, am I going to have a job? And if I don't have a job, how am I going to finance a family? And if I don't get, you know, these things that, I'm not really thinking that. Just, just, it's it's in my notes. Um, But a lot of the... uh, a, a lot of stories in the Bible deal with fear because it's a common thing. In the Old Testament, the heroes, the ones we love to read the stories of Gideon, um, the, the angel said to him, don't be afraid. Um, to Joshua, he said to him three times in nine verses, be courageous, stop being afraid, go, I'm with you. Moses, you know, don't be afraid. Well, I'm afraid. Well, don't be. Okay, but I can't talk. Well, fine, I'll send Aaron, but you two go together. Don't be afraid and go, go um, rescue three million people. And those stories that we love reading about do you realize the only reason we read about them is because people actually faced their fears? People actually decided to do the opposite of what they were, what they were thinking and feeling. They, they took um, fear head on. And because of that, we read their stories. Do you realize there's millions of people whose stories we don't read? Because they just gave in to a fear or they, they're um, things they never, they never um, um, face. I am so challenged with that thought that I don't, I don't want, you know, his story of my life to be unheard because, simply because I listen to the voice of fear as opposed to his. And I would encourage you with that same thought when he speaks in your life. What is that other voice? What's that worry? What's that, that fear? Um, as I was reading the Christmas story even, just getting ready for, the, for um, Christmas coming up and the Christmas service, I've read this thing 30, well, I should say 37 times. I, I mean, in 37 years, I've read it a lot of times. And reading through, I'm thinking, you know, there's only two chapters in the Bible that talk about the Christmas story. Uh, Luke chapter 2, i was like, oh, why do they always read the same one at Christmas? Now I know, because it's the only one. Uh, but as I read through it, even again this time, I learned something I had never seen before. And it's crazy, you know, how when God's dealing with something in your life, he, he begins, you see it everywhere. And here's one of those things where the, the common message to almost every single character in the Christmas story is this sentence. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I never really saw it. I know about the shepherds, but as I was reading through, you see in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph, as he finds out that Mary's pregnant and he's not the father, and he's like, what? You know, this, the, he's trying to process this. And you know what's going through his head? He's like, the, the, the worries and the fears of you know, this is going to damage my reputation when that child doesn't look like me. You know, this is going to, you know, possibly end her life if somebody finds out that, you know, she's been unfaithful. That, that's grounds for stoning in our country. Um, this whole idea of, of um, how, do, how can I be a good and just man in this scenario? And it says that as he's thinking about that, an angel comes to him and tells him, Joseph, as, uh, it says, as he's considering all of this, as he, his mind is there, an angel comes and says to him, hey, Joseph, don't be afraid. Um, God is in this. Don't be afraid, dot, dot, dot. God is in this. And then you see it with Mary where the angel comes and had talked to her. And that's in uh, Luke chapter 1. The angel comes up and, you know, we think she's scared of the angel. But she's not because the angel, and I don't know why she's not. Maybe she saw angels before. But she says, um, it says this, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord's with you. And it says in verse 29, she was confused and disturbed. She tried to what? She tried to think about what the angel could mean. She tried to reason in her own mind, what does it mean that I'm, you know, a favored woman and that the Lord is with me? And what does he say? Don't be afraid, Mary, because God is in this. And he begins to explain a little bit about uh, what's going to happen. In Luke chapter one, even Uncle Zach, Jesus' Uncle Zach, uh, he's... Um, he's in the temple, and the angel appears to him and says, don't be afraid. You're going to have a son too. You're going to call his name John. He's going he's to prepare the way for, um, for Jesus. Uh, and then we know the story of the shepherds, where they're sitting out in a field, and the angels show up, and they're just terrified of the angels. But what does he say? Don't be afraid, because I got great news for you. So many times it's just this message of Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is in this. God is with you. You You're not alone. You're not on your own. God is a a part of this. And I love what he says to Joseph because if you look at um, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it says all of this occurred, this whole message to Joseph, and it says all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. It said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Don't be afraid. God's with you, Joseph. Mary, don't be afraid. God is with you. To the shepherds, don't be afraid. God is in this. God is with you. Um, it's God with us. See, Adam and Eve in the garden had God with them. They walked and talked in relationship with God every single day, regular basis. They threw all that away through sin. Uh, we lost that. And it says that Jesus was sent to redeem that. Not just to pay for all of your sins. Not just to, you know, get you out, out of hell and give you a, a chance to go to heaven, uh, you know, uh, uh, get, go to heaven card. It was this more than that. Not just the end of your life, but your life now. This relationship restored. That God is with you. That God with me. Being to think about that, how often do I live my days thinking God is with me? Or do I live in the other side of where somebody needs to tell me, don't be afraid, because that's what I'm listening to. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm learning. See, this whole idea of God with us, that's what Jesus came to do, came to show. What would it look like if God, if you could see him? If he lived on the planet, what type of person would he be? Jesus was God in a bod. He was God with men, God with the disciples, God um, with us, showing that as, um, as he did life with those followers, and you see the, through the Gospels, you see the stories of Jesus and what he was like and, uh, with his followers. And many times Jesus said the same thing to his disciples. And we'll probably look at some of that uh, next week. But 21 times he had to tell them, don't be afraid or fear not. That's more, that, that's more commands than he said to them of love God and love your neighbor. He only said that eight times. But 21 times he said, hey, don't be afraid. And it's not that the numerical amount of it matters, that, oh, it must be more important because he said it more times. We know that as parents, that's not usually the case, you know. Um, there's things that are more important than clean your room. But, but uh, the, there's, there's, if he said it uh, and talked about it at least that many times, there's some importance of it. You know, he said it to them when they were in a storm. They thought they were going to drown. He's like, don't be afraid. When um, J- Jairus was standing in line, waiting in line to talk to Jesus because his daughter was dying, And he's a few people down the line. You know, there's a person with a hangnail and grandma's dog's kitten's, you know, ear is bleeding. Jesus, can you fix it? And then there's Jairus and he's like, my daughter is on her deathbed. And the guys come up to him and say, hey, Jairus, don't bug him anymore. She's gone. And Jesus is close enough that he can hear it. And he says, he looks straight at him and says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Just believe. Don't be afraid. And he's like, man, I just lost my daughter. He said, don't be afraid. Have faith. Because He's in it. He knows, and he goes, and he raises her, her, um, her daughter from the dead. And Jesus had these conversations so often. You read through the Gospels, you see it over and over and over again. A couple of ones I wanted to share with you this morning is this. In Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible, just uh, open it to that uh, spot. Matthew chapter 6, one of the, one of the f- most famous um, talks that Jesus ever did. He's sitting on a mountain when he didn't, so they called it the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and in, at the end of it, he talked about a whole bunch of things. Actually, this part's kind of right in the middle. He says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one, and you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one, and you'll despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So he says, that's why I'm telling you. He says, you can't serve God and money. This idea of you you either trust him or you're trusting money, but you're not going to be able to trust both. So he says, so trust God. Because he, he says this, that's why I'm telling you not to worry not to, not to worry about everyday life, whether you're going to have enough food uh, and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't your life worth more than food um, and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. And your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And can all your worries even add a single moment to your life? Can all of your trusting in something other, in the fact that maybe you can figure it out, is it actually going to add even a moment to your life? See, worry... Um, He says to them, don't worry. Don't allow fear to be this thing going on in your mind. Don't allow it to be the thing circling around inside. Um, My my, uh, daughter yesterday, she got this app called Mood Scanner. And so you put your finger on the iPhone, and it goes, it scans it, and it's, it's just whatever, a bunch of hubbaloo, but it scans, and then you have to say this sentence, right? So you put your thumb on it, it scans it, you say the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dogs, and it tells you how you're feeling, just in case you needed to know. And so I do it, and it's like, oh, you are happy. And I was like, oh, sweet. So she, she gets my son, Maddox, who's three, to put his finger on there and it scans the finger and then he says say this sentence well he can't read so he just shouts out whatever he wants and then it says um it comes up and she says Max you're worried he's like yay I'm worried and then we're all like you know I thought about that. none of us ever respond that way when we hear you know you're worried we know it to be a negative um a negative thing worries like fear unleashed in your mind it's like fear just going wherever it wants in your mind. You just can't seem to catch it. This, um, this picture of um, worry, you know, it says that most of the things that we worry about never actually happen. Hearing that doesn't actually make us worry less. You know, you hear that, you're like, yeah, but mine could be. You know, 95%. Yeah, but mine's in the five probably, you know. Or 99% of the things you worry about never happen. Yeah, but this is that 1%. It could, And you start allowing it to go around. It's like fear unleashed in your mind. We used to have a dog named Lucy that uh, when when she, there was these moments in, in her life where she would just be psychotic uh, and just run everywhere. Jack Russell, run over here and bark, 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 Run over here, bark, bark. You try and catch her and she'd be whipping around. Uh, outside was worse because she would just be outside of your room um, she would. She, we we lived in Dover, um, and those poor people on that street. We're the only young couple on the on the senior citizens street uh, with a dog that was yappy. And at night we let her out to go to the bathroom at ten, and at one in the morning we're still yelling, at, "Lucy, you know get!" Uh, and she's barking at the door, but she's always uh, wasn't. You never could get a hold of her until she was ready. You know? almost had to like just wait till she got hungry, and then you could lure her back in. Uh, she loved us. She did. I know it. But um, th- this this thought is the same as what it is with fear. It's like that thought is running around in your mind. It's barking at you. You can hear it so clear. You just can't seem to grab it and, 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 keep, it, um, and, and keep it down or manage it. It's like, first it's there. It's like, oh, and then it's there, and then it's there. And Jesus is saying to us, saying, don't worry. Don't allow the scenario to just continue playing on in your mind. There's going to be things you're going to be scared of, you know, but don't allow that thing to keep getting you. So it's, it's, it's not allowing scare to become worry. The thing that frightens you to take over you. You know, that spider on my hand, not allowing it to go, oh man, I wonder if there's another real one here somewhere. You know, maybe it's on my jacket now. And like, I feel something on my neck, you know, check, check. Oh no, it's not there. Okay. And then eating and looking through all the food. Like, what if it's there? You know, and, and your mind just, it totally would have destroyed an event. And some of you are like, yeah, if we, we would never do that. But what is it for you? What is it for you? What's the thing that just, you know, you lay awake sometimes because it's just going through your mind like, oh, I got to have an uncomfortable conversation with that person at work. I know that I have to share and speak this. And it's like, oh, I I just can't. But if I say this, then maybe they'll say that. And if they say that, well, then I'll say this. That'll be a zinger. That'd be awesome. And they like, "But, but what if they don't? You know, maybe it's something you feel like, I got to share something with my spouse that, you know, it's just really going to be awkward and uncomfortable. You're like, ah, I know I, I know that I want to, but I just, I can't. And, and you start to play the scenario through. What if it's like, ah, oh, you know what? I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills at the end of the month. And you begin to start thinking about these things. It's like, it just gets you. And, and pretty soon it's not just swirling here. It's swirling here. It's swirling here. And your life, you become paralyzed by, I don't know how to make decisions because I got this thing that I'm worried about. And Jesus said to them, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. He says, your father already knows what you need before you even ask him. He wants you to ask him, but he already knows. He gives them a, a, a little um, thought in there. He says, if God cares, in verse 30, he says, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, they're here today and thrown to the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? See, he gives you a key right there as to why there's a lot of worry in your life. It's because it's not really a fear problem that you have. It's a faith problem. Faith combats fear. This trusting in God combats this fear and worry. It's realizing if I'm worried, I'm not, it's not because I've got a fear problem. It's because I've got a trust problem. I don't actually trust that God can handle this, knows what's going on, is able to lead and guide me through this, um, through this scenario. I'm just going to focus on here. And what we in, in just intuitively and instinctively try and do is control that situation. As soon as we're worried about it, we're going to try and do what we want to do. And realizing, rather than um, putting our eyes onto, onto him, he says in verse thirty-one, "Don't worry about these things. Saying what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers." He's saying there's something different. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have God with you. As you're following him, you're with him. He's with you. There's never anything that you need to be um, worried about. That worry not going to change the outcome. It's just going to change your journey. And will any of that be able to add even a moment? Not a day, not a week, not a year to your life. Will it be able to add even a moment? It won't change anything. This week, last week, we were on a cruise. The first four days were just peaceful and, you know, um, scrumptious. And then we hit this storm. Uh, And the waves outside the boat were 12 feet or so, whatever. Um, Big waves. And and we weren't on a very big boat. So the boat was doing this, like, for two whole days. And, you know, all our car sick family were puking, and uh, it was just um, craziness. Um, uh, But as I'm laying in the boat that night, and I'm realizing I'm moving from one side of the bed to the other, and I look across at my son, Link, and he's just, like, rolling across the the bed one side to the other. Uh, And I'm thinking, you know what? This boat could go down. I mean, these are some pretty big waves. And that thought gets into your head, and you're like, I don't think I can swim that far to land. And I've kind of looked at the lifeboats and saw where they were, and I'm like, I don't know if there's enough of them, you know? I'm starting to hear Titanic's theme song go through my head, and (laughs) and it's the middle of the night, right? You start thinking about stuff, and you're like, all of a sudden I realize, you know what, none of this is actually going to happen. I can't none of these thoughts are actually going to keep this boat afloat. None of these thoughts are actually going to um, change anything. All I know is that I'm not going to sleep. And uh, if I keep thinking about this, um, but it's not going to make any difference. And it just was one of those, again, realizations. This is what I'm talking about, Mark. Don't worry. I got you. Do you think I don't know about this storm? I invented wind and waves. I don't know. I, I didn't invent cruise ships, but, you know, I invented, you know, winds and, winds and waves. And, and I thought, man, I thought about the disciples in that boat as they're in that boat. And they, they go and they wake up Jesus down on the bottom of the boat. And like, Jesus, we're going to drown. You know, don't you care about us? And, and he says to them, he gets up and he, you know, he's sleeping through it. He wakes up and he says to them, he asks them those two questions. He's like, why are you afraid? And they're like, Are you serious? Like, I know you're a carpenter, you know, from the land, but when you go in the water and you go under, for more than two minutes, you die. Don't you get it? What do you mean, why are we afraid? He's like, why are you afraid? He says, what are you worried about? Why are you afraid? Uh, And then then he asks them, he says, do you still have no faith? Do you still not trust that I'm God? See, they didn't really realize. They didn't, the followers of Jesus at that point didn't realize that he was God. Because all of a sudden, then he stops the storm, and they're like, oh, who is this guy? Like, he just, he stopped the storm. All he was saying to them is like, why are you worried? I'm with you. I'm in this boat. I am with you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Why do you have so little faith? And the same question needs to be asked of us. Anytime there's worry in my life, I gotta ask this question. Do I not trust God? That he knows that he can lead me, that he can direct me through this? Do I not trust God? If I say my life is his, then if it goes down on a cruise ship, my life is his. I'm going to be with him. There's this trusting thing. and Some of you are like, oh, what? what? No, wait. The story goes, the storm ended, and they arrived at the other side. And it ends happily ever after. So if you're saying have no worries and have no fears, that means that if I'm following Jesus, my life should be smooth. I don't need to have any fear or worry. It's not what he said. The message was never, don't worry, I'm not going to let bad things happen to you. The message was, don't worry when bad things happen to you. I am with you. I'm with you. You're not in this alone. Because we live in a sin-filled world, you're not going to escape problems. You're not going to escape pain. But don't ever for a second think that you're alone. I am with you. There'll be lots of things you're tempted to worry about. You know, I look at Matthew chapter 10 when Jesus sent his disciples out. He said to them, hey, guys, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You know, you've heard that saying before. That's where it came from. He said, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. He's like, yeah, you know, it's not going to be all hunky-dory out there. And he begins to tell them a little bit about what's going to happen in their lives. And in the book of Acts, we read that that's what happened in their lives. He said, hey, you know, um, go out, preach the gospel, go from town to town. And he says, and uh, hey, when they arrest you, don't worry about what you're going to say because I'm going to give you the words to say. And, don't, and it won't even be you speaking. Holy Spirit's going to speak through you. God is going to speak through you. And so they're probably standing there going like, what, what do you, wait, hold on. So you just said, don't worry when you get arrested about what you're going to say. And they're probably saying, we're not going to be worried about what we're going to say when we get arrested. We're going to be worried about why did we get arrested? You know, why? why that's, what we, that's what we're worried about. And he says, don't worry when you get arrested. Not if, when. When you get arrested because of me. And so they're kind of processing these thoughts and realize, okay, wait a second. So God, he's going to give us the words to say when we're arrested. We're going to be before judges and kings, and he's going to give us what to say. So God's in that. Like, he's with us there. He's going to tell us what to say, um, so we don't need to worry about what to talk about. But he's like, that's not, you know, if God's in it, if God's there, I, I would rather God didn't give me the words to say. I would rather God just didn't get me arrested, right? Like, that's, that's how we would think. I don't want to go through the bad stuff. God, you should protect me from all the bad things. God is in it. He's not doing it, but he's in it. And a lot of times what happens for us is we get this, this part just, just wrong. We think that somehow, because God allowed it to happen to us, that God is responsible for it happening to us, and it brings about this negative thing in us. You know, if God was in my life, then pfft, I wouldn't be divorced. If God was in my life, then my kids would have grown up and served him. I did all the right things. You know, if God was in my life, I wouldn't struggle with this addiction. If God was in my life, then then this, this, this. And we want to put all this stuff in there. And yet we go through a lot of these different things. And a lot of them aren't great. But he's saying, listen, I'm with you. The problem that we have is we don't turn to him. We get angry at him. We're like, you must not have. And he says, it's Emmanuel, I am with you. I've prepared a place for you where you're not going to have to face any of this stuff ever again. It's called heaven, but you're not there yet. Just know that you know that you know that I am with you always. Don't be afraid of those. There was a girl on stage who was singing who shared that she's at a new job, and she was nervous about, you know, working there. And she found out that her manager was a believer. And uh, this week, she was there. She came in, and he, could, he noticed that she just didn't look herself. He's like, Are "You okay. He's like, I'm a little nervous. He says, like, well, what's your, what's your life verse? She's like, well, Philippians chapter 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Uh, and uh, tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. And, and she said, I started the verse and He finished it. And she said, finish the whole thing. And it says this. And this whole idea of worry, if you're struggling with worry and fear, He says this to you. Don't worry, God. Don't look here. Look here. Don't worry about anything. 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 Whatever you're worried about, it falls under Anything. Instead, pray, talk to God about everything. Tell God what you need. Have this conversation with him that's regular and, say, and thank him for all he's done. Then you're gonna experience God's peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense in that time. You know, we hear it so often, people going through just ridiculously rotten stuff in their life, kids in the hospital and things like that. And you hear them say, you know what? I'm just trusting God. I've got my eyes on him. I don't know everything that's going on, but I got my eyes on him. What is, uh, you know, I want to see what uh, he might do through this. It says his peace is going to guard your hearts, because that's where it gets to, and it'll guard your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. He says this, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. See, the greatest gift you have is you get to choose what you think about. You have that opportunity and ability to either look at what's terrifying you, what's causing fear, what's causing worry, or you have the ability to look and fix your thoughts on this, on what's true what's honorable, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. And he says, think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Get your eyes on him. See, the truth is that he has his eyes on you. You know, the psalmist writes about it in Psalm 121 that his, um, his eyes are on you. Do we have that? It says this in Psalm 121, a song for pilgrims. I thought Fuzz would love that. He always calls me pilgrim. A uh, song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. He says, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? He says, I lift my eyes. That, that term means I set my mind. I'm looking. I'm setting my focus. He says, uh, on the mountains. Is that where my help comes from? He says, no, my help comes from the Lord. I set my eyes and know that it's from the Lord who made heaven and earth. For you, whatever you're going to face, where are you going to get your help from? Are you going to do it all on your own? You'll be a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. But if you set your eyes and say, you know what? My help comes from the Lord no matter what. He made heaven and earth. He'll not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. And you're like, well, that's good. That's Israel. But then he says this. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord himself watches over you. He's watching you. He knows He's watching you, and he never sleeps. Uh, I want to leave you with this story. When we were on the cruise, um, you want an adventure? Take a three-year-old on a cruise. Um, uh, Maddox is just like, uh, even the lineups to get on the cruise, he, um, there's six people wide in line, and Max, we wandered away to the front to see how far there was left to go, and he decided to just book it straight through the line, all the way down uh, through people, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to follow him. Like, he's way smaller than me. He's going through legs and, you know, over bags. And, and I'm walking on the outskirts. And you just see people, like, looking like, what the? You know, who is this? And, and then they see me like, oh, okay, hey, he went that way. I'm like, yeah, I know. So uh, 400 people down the line is my family. And they stop him and catch him. But he was doing that all the time. Uh, on the boat, he would just take off. And I'd be like, chase him down before he got on an elevator or took over the ship. You know, i make sure he's, you know, g- got to c- catch him. Uh, and then after a while, I'm thinking, man, you know, this is, this is nuts. I'm like, I'm getting too old for this, right? Like, I, I, I just, I wonder what he will actually do if he gets to go as far as he wants to go. So the one night we're sitting on the dance, um, uh, around the dance floor, and there was like just a couple, you know, elderly couples dancing on the dance floor, and a couple of our kids were just kind of whatever. Max runs straight across the dance floor, and uh, there's a lady and this gentleman, and he just smacks her on the butt, and she... Um, she looks right at the man, right? And he looks, he's like, it wasn't me, right? And, and then they point, and there goes Max. I'm like, I knew I should have chased him, right? Uh, and then I'm like, I don't want to get him. I don't want anybody knowing that's my kid. Um, but the resemblance, whatever, some people put to it, and you just see those parents like, oh, you know brats. Those kids are brats. I'm like, yeah, that's what I would think about other kids. So I took, us, took him to his room and we had a talk. It didn't make any difference. The next day he's running off and I thought, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to watch him. I'm going to make sure I can see him, but he can't see me. I just want to see what he's going to do. So on the boat once and on the beach in I just decided to let him go. Uh, and so on, on the beach, I remember him running along the beach and he's looking at, you know, the sea and well, I hope he's looking at Sea-Dews. He's looking at all kinds of stuff on the, on the beach as he's running down. And, and all of a sudden, my mom and I are standing there and like when's he going to realize that he's alone? And it was like he kept going and all of a sudden, there's that moment where all of a sudden he looks and he's like, wait a second, I don't recognize anything here. And he starts turning around. And looking, and I make sure he doesn't see me at that point. And so then he's like, now he starts the, the quick movements. You can tell he's a little bit nervous. And then he, all of a sudden he looks and he's like, <gasps> makes this motion and realizes, oh, he thinks he knows where he's going. He runs as hard as he can the wrong way. And I'm just watching him. like, he's getting farther away. So I keep going. And all of a sudden he stops. And now he's kind of panicking. Um, and you didn't know this. I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> I was trying to teach our son a lesson. But then all of a sudden he looks. And then he's like, I I know now he's in in a spot where he doesn't know where where he is, which way to go. And he begins to look around, and I just let him see me. As he walks around, all of a sudden his eyes meet mine. And you just see his face. It was like fear. It's (gasps) like, and he hasn't taken a step. And yet he knows he's okay. He knows the way back home. He knows why, because he saw me. And for so many of us, I know that the illustration is not quite perfect because i don't think god's playing hide and seek with you hey come on try and find me joe whoops no i wasn't over there i'm invisible i can do this it's this thought of we don't look but when we do the bible just says you'll find me if you seek me with all your heart you'll find me he promises he's always watching he's always there he just doesn't intervene in our lives without us um, uh, inviting that you know, that's what Jesus came to do, is just create this opportunity for a relationship that we can either choose or not choose, take advantage of or not take advantage of. Those things are saying, God, you know what? I might be going through this, but I trust you. Getting our eyes back on him. So I don't know what it is, but again, I ask you, what are you fearing? What are you allowing to, your mind to worry about and spin about today? My encouragement to you today is to say, just on purpose, God, I know that You know. So I'm going to put my eyes on you. I'm going to look to you. That's where my help comes from, my guidance, my strength, my help. You have nothing. There will be lots of stuff to fear or be tempted to fear, but you have nothing to really worry about because he said so. Can we pray? Father, I just pray that you would do what I can't do. Holy Spirit, that you would take these words that you're speaking to hearts, the, the ones that they just, things they know that are your voice, would you continue to, um, Create opportunities and and, um, places and and times where where this comes around in their life. Um, Father, the next time they face an opportunity to to fear or worry, that you just remind them again that you're right there, that they would have the courage to turn their eyes on you, that uh, there'd be incredible stories of of freedom and of victory because uh, uh, they've decided to look to you. Thank you for being our help. Thank you for being everything that we need. Pray your blessing over these amazing people that in their homes this week, it'd be hope and joy and love uh, and that those, those realizing that nothing's impossible with you. I thank you for that. Thank you for your love and your amazing care for us. It's in your name we live and celebrate today. Amen. Amen.